Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. We're in the book of Revelation this weekend. Revelation chapter 14. I want to just quickly share this before we pray. Last night, we began this series. This is part two this morning of Shout. Shout, the good news rising in the midst of bad news. How many of you want some good news in the midst of all the bad news that's been going on, right? Yeah, so do I, so do I, so do I. I had a friend of mine, not yet a official member of our congregation, but had been journeying in our small group on Sunday evenings. And, and uh, she said, you know what? Here's what I do. I, I, I got my head knee deep in the good news, right? To kind of silence out all that bad news. And I think that's a really good word of counsel. Amen? Yeah. So last night, we began last night, Revelation chapter 14. We looked at that early part of the chapter, very special to those of us here in our community of faith as followers of Jesus. And Revelation chapter 14 comes after Revelation chapter what? Oh, y'all could shout that out. That's easy. 14 comes after 13. So we were looking at Revelation 13 two weeks ago. Because that actually is the backdrop to what we're going to go into today in part two. See, for you to understand Revelation chapter 14, you need to be you need to be in the story as it's unfolding. Right. So you need to be in Revelation 13. So we're going to allude to a lot of things that are there in Revelation 13. This is the follow up, by by the way, guys. This is the continuation of our journey that we've taken a couple weeks ago, because really it's speaking very, very clearly to today. And we really want to be on the ground with where God and Holy Spirit are right now. Amen. So. Here's what we looked at last night. And by the way, we had some people join us. People were on, that, on the platform. By the way, we did it on the Ignite platform. We typically have our evening service on Friday nights with our young adult, youth and young adults. And so we just invited everybody, community. We put out some advertisements, had some, some people come, and it was great. It was, we had an online community. And we're going to do it again this evening at 7 p.m. What time? 7 p.m. Please join us. Please join us. Um, but last night, we had some people praying with us and we had people, uh, three people indicated there's a, there's, a, there's a prompt that allows you to click and raise your hand that you want to receive Jesus. You want to give your life over to him. Three people raise their hand. Hallelujah, right? And so we're just kind of waiting for them to fill out that connect card. And if that's you you're watching right now, we would love to journey with you. So go ahead and fill that out and send that to us. But one of the things that I noticed as we were ministering to people last night, as we were going through what we're going to continue to this morning, a theme kept reemerging. That was kind of in the hearts of those that uh, were journeying with us. And that is the sense of anxiety. The sense of worry came up repeatedly. Um, And maybe that's somebody here. Maybe somebody here right now. You know, we don't know what's coming next in your own personal life, in the world. The Bible says men's hearts filling them for fear for the things that are coming on the earth, okay? But I want you to understand today that if you really lock in with us today, and if you've been with us even from last night, we're going to discover that there is something rising from the, from the bad news that's often triggering us into all of this worry. 
And I just believe from personal experience, not talking to you merely just as a pastor, I'm talking to you just as someone sinner saved by grace that's walking and learning how to love, live, and follow Jesus, that if you just lock in and focus on him and his kingdom and his activity, all, you'll find the worry. And don't, don't get me wrong, therapy is important, right? right? Uh, healthy relationships, all, health, all these things are important, but really central to all of that, using all of that, is if you can fix your eyes on what Jesus is doing right now in your life, arising out of scripture in the world, beyond these walls, you'll realize that there is overwhelming good news and there is overwhelming victory awaiting you. Matter of fact, already with your name on it. And that's what we're attempting to do with you this weekend. So really, I really pray that, you're, that, you're, that your eyes are fixed, not on me, but on Jesus as we get to gaze at him now. Because I love talking about 14, because 13, though Jesus is definitely there, we had to kind of expose some things, didn't we? Kind of look at some things his, historically in Revelation 13, the systems too particular that were kind of working with the enemy. And so we kind of looked at what the devil's activity is. And I don't like to spend a lot of time on him, do you? No, no, the book is actually the revelation of... Jesus Christ. And so we're going to dive in and get just a overwhelming, beautiful glimpse of Jesus this morning. I want to invite you right now. Let's pray. And then let's dive into our time together. Let's pray. Father in heaven, this is your moment. It really and truly is your moment to do what you do. And that is to reveal compellingly, arising out of scripture, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, a compelling picture of Jesus and him crucified and his, his establishment of his kingdom. So that we, our hearts, can be pricked and that we be drawn to you and get a clear picture of your character of love manifested for us. Help us, Lord, right now to uh, our minds to rise above the fray to see beyond but those that don't know you in this world cannot see and and all of the all of the noise lord help our ears to be attentive we want to hear we want our, our hearts our minds to be the soil that that the seed of your word the, the gospel can be planted in and produce fruit we want all the fear to vanish in your presence let that be the experience of those that are here in person or online, wherever they're watching. Meet us now. In Jesus' name, let everyone say amen. I'm going to pause here just also for a second. I don't know, A.B., if it's possible to get uh, what's here on the screens. If not, um, then that's okay. We'll just go ahead and preach the word, all right? But, it, but it's already been connected, so I don't know if there's a way to, 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 put that, to figure that out. All right. Thank you so much. They're doing a great job up there. But, you know, sometimes technology can be what it is. Guys, last night, Revelation 14. Now, watch this. If, you're, if you have your Bible open right now, I'm going to get mine because even though I have this in my heart, I'm going to make sure I have it right myself just to reference it myself. Okay. If, you, if you've been, been tracking with us, particularly when we were looking at Revelation 13, you remember and some translations may not bring this out as clearly, but I just want to remind you of our study. You want to go back online, look at the archives, and go back to America. How did we get here? All right. But Revelation 13, you'll remember, and this is brought out really well 
in the New Living Translation, which is what I'm going to be preaching from today. It was beautifully read from the New King James Version. But as I kind of looked at some nuances today, I want to go ahead and get back to this New Living because it's bringing out some things that's very important from the original language. Uh, some of your Bibles will actually have uh, verse 18 of Revelation 12 there, or it will begin with Revela uh, Revelation 13, verse 1. The scene there is the dragon. We know from Revelation that that's code for the devil, right? Code for Satan, right? The enemy. And he is there standing on the sea. Amen. Praise the Lord. He's there standing on the sea. He's standing on the what? I'm just checking if you're with me. He's standing on the sea. We discovered when we're going to look at it in a second, based on Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 7, and particularly Revelation chapter 13, which is all of those you're going to need to have in your mind as we get ready to go into Revelation chapter 14. See, the book of Revelation is a, is a book that's uncovering and concluding the unfolding story of Scripture. It just assumes that its readers, originally in its historical context in the first century, were the seven churches of Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And so it just assumes you have the biblical data in your mind. It just assumes that the reader has been a follower of Jesus Christ that needs encouragement to get through difficult times at that time in the Roman Empire. And it just assumes that you have the story in your mind and you know that the hero is Jesus. And so it's going to draw on imagery from the rest of the story, particularly from the book of Daniel, correct? Okay, and so you need to have all that in your mind. So I'm just kind of giving you the tools along the way as we take this journey together so that we can get to the really, really good news. You follow? All right, but just real quick, just a quick review. You'll remember that Revelation 13, the imagery flowing out of Revelation 12, going right into Revelation 13, that the devil is looking over the sea. We understand that that's speaking now of the densely populated region of where? Somebody shout it out. Of Europe, Western Europe, right? The nations or the kingdoms, 10 nations of Western Europe, eventually just seven remaining, all right? So, so, so watch this now. As you dive now into Revelation chapter 14, if you want to just flip the page, and you look at Revelation 14, 1 to 5, <laughs> what you see there already is the good news. I could just say read Revelation 14, 1 to 5, and we can just close there again, right? Because what it's doing is it's, it's showing you now the real hero's position. It, it, if you were reading this as the first century readers in a, in, a, in a house church, which is, you know, the notion of the building being called the church is just so foreign to scripture. It's always the people. And, and back then in the, in the first century, they were gathered often in homes, thus grow groups. That's a quick plug. Anyway, so they were doing life together in homes and they would receive these letters. And as they read the letter, right, they're going, oh man, Revelation 13. Yes. Okay. We saw that Jesus, yeah, there, Lamb's book of life. We believe the gospel, but really it's kind of, it's kind of bad news, isn't it? It's, I mean, you, you see the good news in it, but, 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 but you kind of got to allow your emotions and your heart and your mind to get around past the beast from the sea and the, and the, and the beast from the, from the, from the earth. Right? And all the activity and the persecution and all that stuff that's going to take place, right? That has taken place and will continue to take place and accelerate. We'll talk about that in a second. But when you get to Revelation 14, 1 to 5, John wants you to kind of go, all right, guys, here in Vienna, take a deep breath now. All right. Everybody just take a deep breath. All right. All right. Let all that out now. Okay. Now, lift your gaze. And I want to show you what's really going down. 
I want to show you where we are going to be. I want you to see yourself there as if it's present reality. And he's basically showing you in symbolic form. He's showing you us standing there victorious, making it through the tribulations of this planet and all the activity of the enemy and the, and the beast systems. He's wanting you to see that we win. How do we win? Because Jesus wins. Come on, somebody. He says, I, I, I want you to understand. Yeah, I talked about some stuff, but let me show you the, the, the game. I've already seen it. And I already know who wins. And the guarantee that he wins is the cross of Calvary. And I want to show you how this thing ends. Y'all right now are probably scared, tripping. Don't worry about it. Let's just take a breather. Let's, and he does this about maybe seven times. There's several scenes of worship. And he draws your mind to Mount Zion. Oh, man. And, 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 and this is drawing on. I got, I, I got to move. It's drawing on the imagery of the Old Testament prophets like Ezekiel and and uh, Isaiah and, and others that are preaching to those post-exilic, pre-exilic and during the exile. They'll often talk about the future glory of the kingdom of God and Messiah and now all the Jews being restored and gathered back to Jerusalem. And it always concludes with Messiah there with his people. I'll, I, you're right, you know the formula. I'll be your God, you'll be my people. We'll be together in covenant relationship. And so what he's doing is he's now showing you this is ultimately going to be fulfilled through Jesus Christ and the followers of Jesus Christ, Jew and Gentile, and they're all going to be redeemed. And we're all going to be worshiping God before his throne there on Mount Zion. He's contrasting in Revelation 14, 1 to 5, what we saw in Revelation 13 at the beginning of the chapter with the devil looking over Western Europe. He's like, that was the counterfeit. Let me show you the real deal. Let me show you where we're going to be because we trust in Jesus Christ. So already you're getting a sense that that bad news is about to now get overshadowed with. I don't think y'all believe that good news right now. That bad news is about to get overshadowed by with good news. You're there. You're worried about the Romans coming to persecute you, right? And now you're actually, if you're there in the first century, and now you're going, oh, wait, something's going on. You see the imagery? Uh, the imagery and and y'all gonna have to go back so if you didn't catch last night go back and watch it if you can but but the imagery there in in verses one to five is drawing on imagery from the first century and even before that in ancient times a king would go out and conquer his enemies and the message would get sent back to the people in the kingdom the threat of oppression the threat of you losing your life and your freedom is over because the king has won. Good news. So watch this. Come with me now to verse number eight. And let me also quickly insert as you're going there to verse eight. Last night we talked about six and seven. Good news. The king has won. So worship him without fear of his judgment. That's the message. That's the first angel. So whatever now that we're about to read coming after Revelation 14, 6 and 7 is in the context of the victorious king. It's in the context of the eternal, everlasting good news. The everlasting good news didn't stop in verse 6. It's unfolding in its last day context. And John wants you to see what that looks like. And understand that, that Jesus in Matthew 24, 14 called it the gospel of the kingdom. He says that. He says it that way in purpose, on purpose. That's the overarching narrative of the Bible. 
that through Messiah, Jesus Christ, his life, death, burial, and resurrection, God is reestablishing his rule and reign of love on the earth. That's why the Bible ends that way. With the new heaven and the new earth, God relocates his pad, his crib, his house here. I want to be with you forever under my reign of love. And so that's the goal. So watch now, because what we're about to read, I'm going to read it again. I'm going to read it now from the New Living Translation. Is in the context of that good news of the kingdom. Look at Revelation 14, verse 8. Here's what the Bible says. Then another angel followed him through the sky, shouting. Are you hearing that? Or your version may say, with a loud voice, megaphone in the Greek. Loud. This is not a whisper. Hey, I got some, I got some kind of good news. Maybe it's advice. You know? No. The, 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 the people of God here are being described symbolically in this particular context as an angel. F- messenger is the language there in the Greek. Angel, messenger, same thing. Rapidly, moving fast. That's what the imagery of flying through the heavens shouting. They have something to say. It's urgent and it's full of love. And here's the next unfolding part of this eternal good news. It says this, then another angel followed him through the sky shouting, Babylon is fallen. Your version might continue with is fallen. Babylon is fallen, is fallen. Whenever the Bible repeats something like that, a name or, or a statement like this, it is saying that what I'm describing is certain. It's going to happen, okay? That's why it repeats it. New Living says it this way, Babylon is fallen, that great city is fallen. Because she made, because she made, because she made, we're gonna, we're gonna uh, come back to that in a second. The great city, excuse me, because she made all the nations of the world. Hmm. Because she made all the nations of the world drink the wine of her passionate immorality. Your translation may say, because she committed fornication. Okay? The language that's being used here, number one, again, the Bible here in Revelation is assuming you have the story of the Old Testament in your mind. So automatically, when you read verse 8, we were just talking about good news. And so you go, wait a minute, there's this announcement that the ancient Babylonian Empire, which has since fallen. That's history. Why is Babylon being raised up now again? That's, that, 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 that's, been, that, that, that's desolate in first century when they're reading there. That's, that's a desolate wasteland. Why, why, are we, why are we talking about that? Because Babylon is being, 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 uh, it's being uh, brought back. The imagery of Babylon is being brought back because this is going to be, he's trying to say, what you, if you want to understand end time Babylon, you need to understand ancient Babylon. Please keep that in mind. If you want to understand end-time Babylon, you need to go back and understand the, the developing story of ancient Babylon, okay? But there's some characteristics of this Babylon, right? And you're going, wait a minute. I don't see any good news in verse 8. Yes, there is, and it's, it's awesome good news. We've got to unpack this for a second real quick before we get to that shout of good news in a second. Babylon is fallen. That great city. Okay, so when it says city, understand that there's, in Book of Revelation, there's two contrasting cities. This happens all over in the Book of Revelation. There's two, there's two contrasting kingdoms. Two contrasting pictures of God, which is really what's at the heart of all of this. So the city of Babylon is being contrasted with the New Jerusalem. 
in the book of Revelation. Satan has an unholy trinity himself, the, the land beast from basically the United States of America, if you remember our, our series recently, Revelation 13, 11 down to the end of the chapter. And then the first part of Revelation 13, the beast from the sea. We're talking about Western Europe. It's 1260 year history, basically the Middle Ages under papal Christianity. Ruling and reigning over those 10 Western European nations. This is the system. This is what he's talking about. He's talking about the world. And this is where I, I want you to see something in a second. He's talking about the world at the end of time. And he wants you to understand the, de the, the development of what led to the conditions in the very end of time. He wants you to understand the key players. Because he says, if you remember that story in Daniel, in Ignite, we've been doing a series through the Daniel chapter 3. And it's, very, it's, it's totally related to what we're talking about today this weekend. He's saying, if you understand what's going on there, you'll understand what's going on in the end of time, and then you can appreciate the victory. That's where he's going. You can appreciate the victory in Christ if you understand that. He says, because when you understand the nature of ancient Babylon, understand ancient Babylon was an oppressive system. Are you following? It was oppressive. It was political. It's known in its history, especially coming from the Tower of Babel, it's known for its confusion. Because of the character of its government leader, the, 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 the most notable government leader, its king, Nebuchadnezzar, who made an image of himself in full gold to kind of counter the image that God gave in a dream. Are you following? Self-exaltation at the expense of others is its key characteristic that defines all the other characteristics. I'm going to say that one more time. Self-exaltation at the expense of others is the key characteristic of not just ancient Babylon, but most fully manifested in end-time Babylon. Are you with me? That's going to contrast with the character of Christ and his kingdom. That's really the story. That's really where this is going. There's only going to be two camps in the end of time. And here's the thing that this text is also telling you. It says, it says she, talking about the city, talking about Babylon, contrasting it with the the New Jerusalem, which is basically, guys, not just the brick and mortar and the, or the gold, streets of gold. No. New Jerusalem in Revelation uh, 22, excuse me, 22, last book, is basically letting you know it's the people of God with God. So we're talking about people within a system, Babylon, and then the people that are redeemed in the kingdom of God. Now and in the future, okay? But it calls this system, Babylon, it calls this end time system that was developed from the influence of Satan with these two other beast powers. That's what makes up Babylon, by the way. It's basically saying that she is a woman. And you go, well, what, what, what's up with that? Is this kind of like sexism here going on? No. This is ancient biblical prophetic language for the people of God. Uh-oh. I thought we were saying Babylon is fallen. You see, Revelation 12 calls God's people, Old Testament, all the way down into our time, until the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's a woman. A beautiful woman. What happens to that woman that's in Revelation 12? Well, if you go over to Revelation 17, you'll, you'll discover that woman is now riding on the beast. That woman is unfaithful to Jesus. She's cheated on her husband, the very lover of her soul, the redeemer. 
the one who, is, is, who said he's preparing a place for her. She has abandoned him, therefore she's also abandoned his teachings, but she still wants his name. She still looks Christian. This is what makes the deception so effective in that 1260-year period and right now and ultimately accelerating into the end of time is that what the activity of the enemy is to impersonate Christ, remember we talked about this last time, while working against him. This is what we call in, in the book of uh, the letters, uh, First, Second, and Third John, this is the antichrist system. Same thing. Developed, Daniel will call it the little horn power. Are you hearing this? But here's the good news. Oh, I was so, I was, I was looking, are you guys ready for the good news now? I had to give that history lesson. I had, to, I had to walk through that to let you know that notice it said, it's fallen, it's fallen. It's coming down. So some people didn't, didn't quite receive that. Here's the message. Woo. Revelation 14.8 is basically saying, good news. This is what we need to be shouting. Good news. The king has defeated the enemy system, so come out. Good news. The king has defeated the enemy system, so come out. You've got to read Revelation 14.8 with Revelation 18 to understand as he continues this message. He just repeats and enlarges. That's just the principle there in Bible prophecy. I'm going to say it, and I'm going to say it again and give you more detail. And he does that in Revelation 18. And he says the same thing. This system is fallen. goes on to explain more detail about this system. This system is fallen. Its defeat is certain. Its oppression is coming to an end. The death blow echoing and shouting from the cross has already been given. This, and by the way, the system, the one working behind it, Satan, actually knows it's fallen. He, the Bible says he knows he has a, he has a what? Mainly to deceive you. To think that he's winning. But he knows he's fallen. That's why in the book of Revelation, constantly, it describes his activity and those two beast systems' activity with deception. And so, come with me now. I want, I want to quickly share something with you before we go to this next slide. And then we go to even greater news. I did some research that blew me away in, in, for this particular message this morning. And even last night, I, uh, I fell asleep with my kids. Uh, the Davids can relate with this. Um, you know, you fall asleep with your kids, and then maybe they go, uh, then you leave them in their room, and then you go to yours, and then they leave theirs, and they come and they get in your bed, right? And it's no longer your bed, it's not our bed, because the whole family just wants to be in the bed. All right. Anyway, all the single people and everybody else is younger, not married, you don't, can't relate. Sorry. Um, anyway. Anyway. But, but, but as we're there sleeping, I get up because, you know, my, my wife got up and left me there with the kids. And so I get up. She's gone. She went back to her room. The transition eventually went back to our room. But I got up to go and I looked up some information regarding um, the emancipation, emancipation Proclamation. Many of you history uh, uh, guys like me are in school. You guys remember the Emancipation. I can't say it today. Emancipation Proclamation. In other words, in 1863, this is kind of developing around the time of the Civil War. We understand, I don't have time to get into all the history, but basically, thank God, people that look like me got melanin. Like, I'm sorry if you guys are not dark-skinned chocolate like me. I'm just sorry. I, I'm, I'm blessed that way. 
maybe in heaven, I don't know. But anyway, but, but people that look like me were shackled, were enslaved in a horrible system. <laughs> and, and the good news that the, that, 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 that system that had enslaved them, that whole enslavement system was now being overturned. They, they are free. Now, the reason you may have heard maybe recently, or, or maybe you may be already familiar with this, Juneteenth, have you heard of that? It's a time where African Americans, we celebrate that, acknowledging that the actual like liberation of these slaves actually happened in 1865. Something else happened in 1865, Sabrina. Something significant to us, right? Do you know? Do you know? Something was organized. I came to my history buff over here. Our church, our movement really is what it is what it was and actually is, um, our movement organized the movement. You can have like, you know, the Pacific, Pre uh, I mean, a Review and Herald and all that under Uncle So-and-So's name. So eventually, as, as this became a global movement, right, we had to organize. So we organized in the exact same year as when the official, like when, when the actual actualizing of our freedom from the Emancipation Proclamation. It took 18 months. And so they celebrate Juneteenth. In other words, June 19. Lord have mercy. I'm about to say 18. Oh, I said 18 months. Go on, Vince, you pray for me. Anyway, so, so watch this. A message of good news went out. You're free. But some people st still stayed enslaved under the system. And not just because they didn't hear the good news. Some of them weren't permitted to hear the news because they were continued, because oppression was being continued on them. Let me show you how that worked out. And I, I discovered something last night. Blew me away. Did you know that there were still slaves in the South working on plantations beyond the 1800s into the 20th century? One of the last known ones in 1963. Here's what happened. These oppressive, uh, you know, plantation owners basically said, okay, but you owe us some money. And so you still need to work to pay off that debt that you owe me. Really? Yeah, you got you to pay that off. You, you, you got some work somewhere else you can go to get work to pay this off? Well, I don't, I don't know anywhere else around here and kept them there at the threat of death. And many of them were, I can't go into the horrific nature of the abuse that they suffered, Lord have mercy. God is just, right? And, and watch this. Gener there were generations of them, not everywhere, but in many places, that continued to work because every time they would go back thinking that they had come out of the red and now they're into the black, the, 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 slave, the plantation owner would say to them, no, I'm sorry, our records indicate you're still in the red. And so they could not come out of this oppressive system until 1960. Do you know what else was happening in 1963? Something was, was emerging in the United States of America. It went all the way to the steps of the Capitol. It had a spokesperson. And this person said what? I have a dream and they didn't even know about it. Why is this message, why is the second angel's message of Revelation such good News, don't, please don't misunderstand. I mean, excuse me, please don't miss this. It's good news because if you've been oppressed, 
if you've been persecuted, if you've been violated by a system, the news that that system is coming down means your what? Your freedom. Now watch this. The message and the death blow to that system has already been given. The devil, as the plantation owner, knows it's done. Just like those plantation owners that kept generations of, Lord have mercy, of slave people into the 60s, knew that that system had come down. But through, watch this, deception, they kept people enslaved that didn't know they were free. Is anybody hearing this in the house of God? There are people in this world that are enslaved, maybe not with actual shackles, but they're enslaved to false pictures of God in the world. There are people that have a doctrinal package that's, come, that's flowing out of that history in Western Europe, that's flowing out of that system of papal Christianity in that period that we talked about that ended in 1798, and that is being healed, right? That, that, that picture of Christ it's what has caused many people to say, I, what they're seeing, that, that, remember we talked about that merging of government with that false picture of Christianity together and the oppression that resulted. We're talking about the Inquisition. We're talking about, let me, let, by, by the way, let me say this real quickly before I'm, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself and I got to land the plane. Understand, if you're back in Daniel chapter 3, which we're going to talk about next week on Friday night, loyal to the king um, and kingdom with Ignite. Um, if you, if, if you are in the time of Dan and those three Hebrew boys, and this system back then, ancient Babylon, tells you, bow down and worship. Did it start, first of all, with bow down and worship? No, it didn't. In Daniel chapter 1, what test was it? What did it start with? Eat the king's food. Then it's work for the king's government. Learn the language. We're going to change your name. I feel like preaching the gospel this morning. Because, listen, it's, the devil is very, very subtle in how he works. You see, he first wants to conquer you like they did with Hellenism with the Greeks. He wants to conquer you with culture first. He wants you to, Lord have mercy, he wants you to value, I'm going to go here real quick. He wants you to value what's in the culture that is antithetical to the gospel. He wants you to change, listen, your name. Remember, name refers to character in Scripture. But wait a minute, it's okay for you to keep going to church, though. Because he's doing all of this, according to the, the text, in the name of Jesus. Let's quickly do a quick history lesson, and let's go right to the cross. Amen? We're, we're referring to Babylon. If you want to understand end-time Babylon, we need to understand ancient Babylon. This, this picture here is what excuse me, Daniel chapter 2 was given in dream uh, form to King Nebuchadnezzar. And so basically it outlines the secession of nations that leads to our present time. Rome fell in AD 476. It became divided Rome. That was represented primarily by those 10 Western European kingdoms and nations. All the Bible students in the house say, amen. All right. But understand it, it, that basically goes to the present. The idea is that the, watch this, the principles of self-exaltation at the expense of others. The principles of Roman supremacy, initially pagan Roman supremacy, and that eventually became what? Papal Roman supremacy. That, in, that, basically, that basically shaped Western culture, Western civilization. 
And I've got to be, I've got to keep it 100 with you guys this morning. This is why most of the representations of Jesus, both culturally and how we practice our Christianity and in images, mostly look European. That's what this is telling you. The, the, the toes at the end of the vision is talking about the end of time. Sometimes in our community of faith, we talk about, we talk about we're, at the, we're in the toenails of the image according to time, right? This prophecy and basically the rest of the book of Daniel and Revelation is basically telling you that what's influencing Western civilization and the globe at the end of time is the merging of state with church. It's pagan at the time of Christ, right? The legs are iron representing Rome. But then it becomes papal historically. Are you following this? And flowing out of that was colonialism. Flowing out of that was things that we still face today, such as systemic racial injustice. It is a fact. Just based on the story I even told you this morning. We're still reeling from it, my family. And why I wanted to bring up Daniel and the three Hebrew boys is because if you were living in ancient Babylon and you saw now Nebuchadnezzar not liking what that thing was telling him was basically that Jesus' kingdom was going to last forever and not his. And you wanted to exalt self at the expense of others and you erected an image. And I said kind of hum humorously in that series, I said that if you were Nebuchadnezzar, maybe you weren't in shape. You made sure that the image was in shape, right? You made sure that it looked muscular and bulky like Pastor CJ. All right, keep praying. And, and basically, but, but, but that happened within a time in history, didn't it? That happened within a culture, didn't it? It manifested itself in a particular time in history within a particular culture. The issue at the time wasn't necessarily skin tone. Now let me ask you, what if Nebuchadnezzar wanted to make a part of that package of worship first through culture, and then ultimately bow down, give me your full life's allegiance or you die. What if he wanted to make skin tone an issue? Are you hearing this now? What if he wanted to make his, his tastes and preferences within his culture an issue? See, the, the, what I'm trying to get across to you here is we need to see the full picture of what's on display in Babylon to understand how Christ conquers it. We often limit Babylon merely to be religious. That system over there. You, are, you, are you hearing that? That's a part of the package. Did it eventually get to bow down and worship? Yes, it did. But understand it started with, the Bible goes on later on. I don't have time. The Bible goes on later on to say that she, talking about the apostate bride of Christ, false Christianity, uh, basically is riding on the beast, meaning she is the primary influencer of government in the end of time. And uses her influence to coerce government, to, to coerce the citizens of the, of the nation and then ultimately the globe towards its dogmas, which are antithetical to the gospel. Are you hearing this? The issue at the end of time, family, is not secularism. The greatest threat to our world at the end of time is not atheism. The Bible, what did I say? The? The Bible says it's false Christianity. 
influencing the state towards its dogmas that do not represent Christ, that is the greatest threat to the end of time. That's what the Bible is saying. And you need to know the real Jesus. And you need to know the real principles of his kingdom because the king has won. Come out of being, come out of that way of being in the world is what the invitation is. And come into the kingdom of his grace. Come out of ways and thinkings that oppress others, exalt self at the expense of others while, retain, while retaining the name Christian. That's what this is saying. You need to know what Jesus actually represents and stay on that side of history because it was Christians that said, keep them enslaved because the Bible says so. Are you hearing me? This is what we need to understand is behind what's unfolding in our society today. Jesus says, if you want to experience the freedom the liberation that ultimately is going to be fully experienced at the second coming of Jesus, then you need to enter the kingdom now. Gospel of the kingdom is not just when Jesus returns. It's right now. It's coming out of a way of thinking in the world that echoes back to that influence back in that 1260-year period. It's saying come out of those ways of being and thinking in this world that don't represent Christ and his kingdom. And that is that's sometimes very hard for us to decipher because a lot of things look Christian but may not be. Tonight we're going to unpack this a little bit further as we talk about the third angel's message and the image to that beast system. And when you're talking about the beast in Babylon, you're, you're basically talking about two sides of the same coin. You don't have to fear what's happening in our world today. Notice that this message went to every nation, to every tribe, to every tongue and people. In the kingdom of his grace are a brotherhood and a sisterhood of believers that have come to the level foot of the cross and have become one in Jesus Christ. This church is a beautiful picture of that. And the invitation is, live out the ways of Christ in his kingdom and be loyal to him and his commands, and you won't have to fear the system that has already been defeated. Jesus, we thank you. Please be exalted in our midst. Move us deeper into a relationship with you that doesn't counterfeit you, but genuinely invites you in to be manifested through your kingdom principles in our lives. Wherever we see that which is not of your kingdom, help us, Lord, to be the difference, to be the salt, to be the light. Help us to be the influencers. Help us, Lord, to actually show people what it really means to follow Jesus. And not just have a form of Christianity that's really not Christianity at all. We thank you in advance for how you're going to manifest your kingdom life in and through us, through the Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Living for Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. 
I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend His reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on, and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.